Well, good morning, Core Church. It is so great to be back here in Tulsa with you guys. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Daniel, and for the last 11 years of my life, up to April of last year, I served as the worship and discipleship pastor here at Core Church, and now am at Lifehouse Church just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, but uh, back in town this week, and I want to give a big shout out to Pastors Brad and Laura for allowing me to come and, and to be here today and just to share with you. It feels so good just to be back in this room, back in this church, back with family today. And uh, the word I want to give uh, and bring to you is, is a word about preparation and, and a word about how God prepares us for big things in our life. So if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, it's right before 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. I, you know, I, I know you're laughing at home. You're just busting the gut right now. You are in for a whole lot more of bad humor uh, while we are spending some time together today. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel is, is a, a book about this guy aptly named Samuel. And Samuel was the last judge of Israel. Before Israel had kings when they were in the promised land, they were ruled by a series of judges. What would happen is Israel would wander away from the Lord and then God would raise up a judge and they would bring Israel back to the Lord, rinse and repeat this cycle over and over. And Samuel was the last judge. And Samuel's life would intersect with two of the most important figures in the Old Testament. He would first appoint King Saul to be the very first king of Israel. Then Saul went crazy and went off the rails. And so God's like, I got to get someone else. This guy's not doing it. And, and then Samuel uh, goes and finds King David. And David is probably the most important figure in all of the Old Testament. And this story that we're going to look at today is the very first time Samuel and David meet. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be today. I like to read out of the New Living Translation, 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 7, says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. A little backstory on what's happening here. God sends Samuel to the house of a guy named Jesse. He's like, hey, the next king is in this house. And so Samuel's bringing all the sons out. Jesse's like, all right, boys, come out. One of you is going to be king. And he brings the boys out. And so Samuel's looking to see, okay, is it going to be this guy, this guy? He sees the oldest son. He's like, man, surely this guy's it. He's good looking. He's talented. You know, he's got all the skills. And then God says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Adminadab. I'm glad we don't have that name that's common anymore. Uh, you can see that's, that's not in baby books. To step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Rinse and repeat for the next seven sons. Uh, Samuel says to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel says, Are there any, is, do you have anyone else? Any other sons? Jesse's like, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. So Samuel says, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. You know, if the preacher is holding lunch hostage, we've been doing that for thousands of years. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. 
Uh, can I pray for us as we get into God's word today? Father, thank you for this chance to be here. Lord, I pray as wherever uh, someone is watching this today, Lord, whether it's in their home or on their way to work, God, or wh wherever they're interacting with this, God, I, I pray that your spirit would be with them right now, Lord, as, as they're wondering, God, what, what is your plan for my life? Do you have a purpose for my life? God, do you have something great for me? God, I feel like you've, you've left me. I feel like I'm forgotten. God, I pray that you would speak to them today through the power of your word. So Jesus, speak to our hearts, change our life. In Jesus' name, we pray. And if you can give me an amen as you're watching along, either at your home gathering or amen on the chat, uh, we will get going here. So like I said, it is so good to be back here at Core Church. Uh, Pastor Brad was kind enough to give me my customary speaking spot on a holiday weekend. So really, uh, you know, I feel at home now because of that. And so, so like I said, if, if you're not familiar, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I've served at Core slash Connection Church for the last 11 years as worship director and then also uh, doing discipleship and, and spiritual growth and next steps. And then last uh, year in, two, in, 2000, in 2020, God called our family uh, to Chardon, Ohio, which is just outside of the Cleveland area, to pastor Lifehouse Church. And it has been an absolute amazing, uh, unbelievable trip. We moved in the middle of the pandemic, April 2020, you know, driving through downtown St. Louis at 5 o'clock, and it is like uh, an apocalypse movie. You know, no one's on the streets. Tumbleweeds are, are rolling through, you know, hordes of zombies, the whole deal. That's what we experienced as we moved. And people ask all the time, you know, we, we got into town last Monday, and ever since then, people have asked, how do you like Ohio? What are the things, you know, that you miss? What are, you know, do you miss Oklahoma at all? And I want to say, like with anything, there's good and there's bad. But I want to tell you, Okies, there are some things that Oklahoma just does right that Ohio has missed the boat on. For example, I'm, I, I got to be honest, up there, they don't know how to fry food. I'm just, Okies, we know how to have fried chicken, French fries. I mean, come on, we will fry anything up there. I don't know if they're just more health conscious or whatever it is. I cannot find good fried chicken to save my life. I'm going to go and just like, I don't know, order a gallon or just a tub of Charlie's chicken and take it with me back to Ohio. One of the other things that I miss from Oklahoma, I mean, you're going to think, oh, it's the people, you know, it's the church. I mean, yeah, I miss Quick Trip. I want to tell you, there is no, there is nothing like Quick Trip. We pulled into Quick Trip when we got back in town. The heavens parted. The light shined down on the rows of, you know, all the frozen drinks and the coffee and the, and just, it was like the, the angels were singing. I miss Quick Trip so much. And, and straight roads, guys. You don't know how awesome it is that Tulsa is built on a grid road system. Where I am at in Ohio, there is no no road goes straight. You could be heading on the same road going east. Next thing you know, you're going south. Next thing you know, you're back where you started, and you're like, how did this happen? I did not turn. I went into a circle. The, by my house, there is a five-way stop. That's not of the Lord. I don't know a five ways. What do you even do with that? So it's a crazy transition, but God has been doing incredible things at our church. Uh, God's been doing incredible things as, as, as we've come in and, and just tried to do what we, you know, know to do and just preach the word and just, you know, be us and try to do ministry to the best of our, our ability, even in the middle of, of the pandemic. So, we, you know, we landed April 2020, we're trying to figure all this out like every other church is navigating through. And, and to see in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all that crazy, our, our church 
has grown and has grown significantly. In fact, we are, we've grown over 33%, and that's a conservative figure of, of people coming in person. That's not even counting the people that are watching online. We've had four people in the last year get baptized, giving their life to the Lord. We had a, a woman come up uh, just a few weeks ago, and she was raised uh, in a Catholic uh, church and, and never heard uh, preaching that was, was relevant to her, and she came in. And I think I was talking about money. I mean, just something really random. Like the sermon where, you know, as a pastor, I know no one's getting saved this week. You know, this, this, is, this is building up the people. She came up to me in tears afterward and was like, God has, God has done so much in my life this morning. I'm like, really? This, this morning God's done? And she was, and she was just, I am never going to be the same again. My life is, she's like basically grabbing me by the shirt. My life is different because of today. I'm like, wow, that is, that is one of the most uh, sincere salvation experiences I've ever seen. God has been doing incredible things just over this last year at Lifehouse Church. And I'm so honored and humbled to be a part of it. And I know you may be watching at home today and you may be thinking, wow, that, that sounds great, Daniel. I'm really, I'm really happy for you guys. I'm really, really proud of you. Really uh, excited that you know you found something. God's called you on to, to great ministry, and God's called you on to a great purpose. And man, it sure, it sure be nice if God would do that for me. You know, I, I wish that that God would give me something big and bold and grand to to throw my life at. God would fill my life with some meaning and and some purpose and something where I know it's like this is what I was created to do. My life is making a difference. My life is having an impact. But it's easy just to look around at our our circumstances and our situation and to feel kind of stuck, to feel kind of forgotten. It's like, you know, we want that great purpose and that great calling, but it can feel like, well, that's really not for me when I'm just dealing with crying kids and laundry that's piled up to the ceiling and a sink full of dishes and bills piling up on the counter. And you think, okay, well, maybe all this purpose stuff, maybe all this calling stuff, you know, it, it, it's really not, it's for other people and it's not for me. Because you can see other people, God moving in their life, God giving them their dream job. God giving them their dream house. God giving them that relationship that they had prayed for. And you can be sitting by and just, you know, you want to be excited for them. But inside your heart, you're like, well, good for you. Praise Jesus for you. And it's just, you want to be excited for them. But you know deep down there, God, I see you doing that for them. And I'm, I'm happy for them. But God, what about me? God, do I, do I matter to you? God, do you see me where I'm at? God, if if if, we're, if you love us so much, why does it feel like, God, the other people are getting what they want? Other people are having their prayers answered. Other people are discovering their purpose, their calling. And, God, I just, I just feel stuck here. I just feel insignificant. I just feel like you're not doing anything in my life. And it can be so easy for us to feel forgotten by God, to feel like he doesn't see us, that he doesn't hear us. And I wonder if David felt the same way in this story. Because remember, Samuel comes to his family's house, and he's looking for the next king of Israel. So Jesse calls all of the sons together except David. David's out in the field. He doesn't even get invited to the party. If you're a Hamilton fan, David is not in the room where it happens. He does not even get invited to the party. He gets totally overlooked by his own dad. Samuel comes like, hey, the next king of Israel here. And his own dad says, well, it's not, the, it's not David. It's not that guy. David must have felt just like, I feel forgotten. He's just out there tending sheep, 
doing his thing in the pasture, not even getting invited to the party. But what David didn't understand was that God was up to something behind the scenes, that God was orchestrating something that David could not even foresee. See, David, when he felt left out, God was getting ready to raise him up. And David was getting ready to embark on something that would totally change his life and would change the course of history. He may have felt forgotten, but God was getting ready to do a great work in his life. And during our time together today, what I want to focus on is, is, if you remember nothing else, just I want you to get this one idea. And I want you just to hold on to this thought. Today, what I want you to understand is don't mistake God's preparation for God's procrastination. Don't mistake God's preparation for God's procrastination. I mean, come on, procrastinators in the house, you know what I'm talking about? If you're a real procrastinator, you're like, yeah, I'll raise my hand later. You know, it's like, you know that feeling of I will get to it later. I will get to it. You know, the dishes, they're piled high. They're not piled high enough. I will get to it later. I will get to the laundry later. Right now, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm sitting on the couch. You know, it's like we know if you're a procrastinator, you know that feeling. And doesn't it feel like at times that that's how God is with you? Oh, I see. I see him praying there. I see her praying. I'll get to them later. I've got more important people to take care of. I hear their prayer for purpose. I hear their prayer to to find something, but I'll get to them later. Doesn't it feel like at times that God is procrastinating with us? He just pushes us off. He's like, you know, that we're like that kid that just keeps, dad, 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 dad. They just keep putting it off, putting it off. And that's how it feels like at times we can be with God, that God is with us, that we feel stuck, that he's procrastinating. But what we don't understand is that why we may think God is procrastinating, he's actually preparing us for something great. What we can confuse is God's procrastination. God is using to prepare us for something great. So I want to show you how that unpacks through David's story and how God uses this time, the times that we feel like he's forgotten about us, the times that we think that are insignificant, the times when it seems like God is not up to anything are the times that he's working the most in your life. And so I want us to see how that works out today. All right, in verse 7, let's get into it. In verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but what does the Lord do? The Lord looks at the heart. The first thing I want you to see about God's process of preparation today is this, is that God will prepare you inwardly before he will promote you outwardly. That God is going to prepare you inwardly before he will promote you outwardly. So when we moved to Ohio, you know, it was the beginning of the pandemic, April of 2020, Housing market, I know the housing market is tight now. Housing market was really tight then too because people had no idea what was going on. Is the world coming to an end? Is this the zombie apocalypse? Do I have enough guns and bullets? People just had no idea what was happening. And so no houses were for sale. And so we were FaceTiming our realtor all the way in Ohio and like, hey, show us houses. She was walking us through houses. Nothing was working. Nothing that was in our budget was any good. And so finally, we're on Zillow and we find this house that's been a foreclosure. 
and it's been it's been sitting vacant for two years, and the price just kept dro dropping, and we had no interest in buying a fixer-upper. But ultimately, you know, when you get desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. We tell our realtor, hey, can you go check out this house? She walks in the house and she's like, guys, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it really smells in here. It just, I don't know, it really smells. And the house had a really bad mold problem. But we'll tell you how bad the inventory is. That was our best option. And so we said, you know what? This is absolutely insane. We're going to buy this house and we're going to renovate it from five states away. We called a contractor who happened to be at the church and they took the job. And so we're, we're trying to manage this renovation that was happening five states away. And this house was in bad shape. It basically had to be completely gutted. There was an upstairs bathroom that the previous uh, uh, owner had just, uh, when they found out they were being foreclosed on, let it flood out. And so there was all this water damage, mold damage, and, and the house had to have so much work done, K kitchen completely gutted. And if you've ever been through that process, you know how, how taxing that can be. And what was interesting, though, about the house is all the neighbors knew that it had fallen into disrepair. And so we come in, and from the outside, the house didn't look any different. From the outside, you would say nothing really is going on. But inside the house, everything was changing inside. New walls were going up. Walls were coming down. Cabinets going in. Cabinets going out. Flooring going in. Flooring going out. And the inside of the house was completely getting renovated while the outside of the house remained the same. And, and in our lives, I think we all want exterior change now. We want the exterior to change now. God, give me that new job now. God, send Mr. Wright, send Mrs. Wright to me now. God, give me that house that I've been praying for. Give it to me now. God, answer my prayer for health. Answer it now. God, give me my purpose. Give me my calling, God. I'm tired of where I'm at. I want to get to where I'm going. God, do it for me now. I need to be on the up and up, and we want the exterior to change now. But what we need to understand is that before God ever touches the exterior of our life, His desire is to renovate the interior. His desire is to renovate your heart, what's going on inside your life. Look at what happened with David. What qualified David in God's sight? It wasn't his appearance, it wasn't his talent. It wasn't his beautiful singing voice. It wasn't his songwriting, songwriting ability. David, the original Taylor Swift, if you read Psalms, all he's doing is spilling tea on all the people that have wronged him in the Psalms. Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift ever happened. But it wasn't any of those things that appealed to God. It was David's heart. He said, I don't look on the outside. I look at the heart. And David's heart is what captured the attention of God. See, what? While David was out in the field with his sheep, what was he doing? Man, he was on his harp. He was just worshiping God. He was learning how to get with God. He was worshiping God. See, David learned how to seek God and not a position. David learned how to seek God and not a position. And in your life, if you want to see God move in your life, if you want to see God do great things and you want to see God to do great things in your life, what you have to learn how to do is you've got to seek the provider and not the position. You've got to seek the provider and not the promotion that we have to uh, remove from our heart all of the ulterior motives and say, God, I'm not seeking after you for a position. I'm not seeking after you for a purpose. God, you 
are my purpose. And when I seek after you, God, when I seek after you and nothing else, God, you're going to get all that other stuff. You're going to do that. But God, you want to get my heart right first. See, we need to allow God to use us to where we're at right now. We need to allow God to prepare our heart now to prepare us for where we're going. That God wants to get your heart right now to prepare you for where you're going. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth, Core Church. If your heart isn't right where you're at now, your heart won't be right where you're going later. If you don't learn how to get your heart right now, if you don't allow God to use this time of preparation, to use this time of obscurity, to use this time where it seems like nothing is happening, if you don't allow him to work on your heart now and you think, well, I'll get it right when I get where I'm going. Once I get married, I'll get rid of my porn problem. Once I, I get that promotion, then I won't be as greedy. If we don't allow God to work on our heart now, our heart won't change just because the exterior changed. God wants to renovate the interior first. And I've, I've seen that firsthand in my life. Look, I, I go and I, I step in to the lead pastor position. And I wish I could tell you it was like all of a sudden I was endowed with this super spiritual strength that the Bible, I don't even have to open my Bible anymore. I look at my Bible and just it just opens to the page that God wants it to open for me. And the light shines down and my coffee is extra strong because of the power of the Spirit. And just, I stepped into a new position, but I'm still me. I still have the same struggles, I still have the same fears, still have the same insecurities. And what God did before I stepped into the position prepared my heart for the position that he ultimately wanted me in. Allow God, during this time of preparation, to prepare your heart, to seek him and not the position, to seek him and not the purpose. Allow God to prepare your heart. Let's move on to verse 10. It says, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. The second thing about God's process of preparation that I want you to see today is that God will take the small things you do now to prepare you for big things later. God is going to take the small things that you do now to prepare you for the big things later. See, in my life, I didn't have a traditional path into the, the position that I have now and path into ministry. I didn't go, you know, Bible college, seminary, right into a church, and that was my path. I took the long way to get where I'm at now. For a long time, for years, I was a courier here in Tulsa, delivery driver, putting 1,000 miles a week on my car. And then after that, I was in business development somehow at an engineering company, learning how to, to sell and learning how to manage people and follow up and put people into a system where I could follow up with them and, and, and try to get them to buy our product. And it was absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, when, when I was doing all this stuff, I just felt so random. And I felt like, God, why am I doing this? God, what is going on here? I know that I'm getting a paycheck, but it feels like that's it. It feels like there's no other benefit to me out of what's happening in my life right now other than a paycheck. But what I didn't understand was this. What I thought was random was actually a roadmap. What I thought was random was actually a roadmap. Look, when I was a courier and I would be at, uh, at the downtown post office at 4.30 in the morning pulling P.O. boxes and, and getting mail out for our clients, you know what I was doing there, during that time? I was learning how to be alone with God. 
And I was learning, I would think about it was a part-time at Connection Church during this time, and I'd be thinking about the worship set, and if I was speaking that week, I'd just be thinking about, okay, God, what are you going to say to me? And you know what I do now as a pastor? I have to learn how to get alone with God to hear what he wants to say to me. Where did I learn that? I didn't learn it now. I learned it way back then. And then when I was in business development, I was learning how to follow up with people and learning how to move them from one step to another and help them take steps into our company and help follow up with them. Hey, are you okay? Is there anything that you need? You know what I do now as a pastor? I work with people. And I follow up with them. And I try to move them along a path of spiritual growth and try to help them take steps in their spiritual life. Where did I learn to do that? Did I learn to do it once I became a pastor? No, I learned to do it all the way back then at a job that I thought was random, at a job that I thought had no other significance than the paycheck that I was getting. And look, David thought he was just tending sheep. But what he didn't realize was he was in God's master class of preparation. That during that time, he was just, I'm just out here tending sheep and poking them with that crooked stick thing. I don't know what the crooked stick thing is. So I was just poking them with the stick thing and keeping them from dying. And all, all, I don't know what shepherds do, but I'm just imagining that that's exactly what it is, is, you know, keeping them from running off a cliff. And that's, that's all David was doing. He didn't realize he was in God's master class of preparation. Because you know what would happen next, next chapter in David's story? Israel would be at war with the Philistines. And there would be this guy named Goliath who was the Philistines' best warrior, who'd come down the mountain and taunt the Israelites and be like, yo, any of you guys can take me, we'll surrender. We don't have to do this whole war thing. Mano y mano, one-on-one, who's going to come fight me? Two men enter the cage. Only one can leave. You know, that's the whole thing, right? And so the Israelites are scared out of their mind. No one's going to accept Goliath's challenge except for a boy Named David. In 1 Samuel 17, 34, it says, But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheeps and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Man, David is hardcore. If a lion came after one of my sheep, I'd be like, well, good lunch, buddy. Hope you enjoy it. You know, it's like, I would not do that. David had some manhood there. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Look, God had used David's random experience to birth his radical explosion. God used the randomness in David's life, the stuff that David couldn't have known was going to be that important, just this thing that he was doing to be able to continue to provide for his family. God used those random experiences for David's radical explosion onto the scene and into the plan that God had for his life. So core church, let Let me tell you today, do not despise the small things that God is doing in your life right now. Do not despise the minutiae. Do not despise that feeling of just another day at home with the kids, just another day of going to the office, just another day of this job I hate, just another day of going to school. Because you never know, God is going to take the random experiences, the random encounters, the random relationships, and he is going to use them to prepare you for the radical explosion into your purpose and into your calling that you are going to see. So Core Church, don't be resentful about where you are Be ready for where you are going 
Because God has great things in plan for you. He's going to use the small things in your life to get you there. Finally, in verse 13, it says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So we see that God prepares us inwardly before he promotes us outwardly. God takes the small things we do now and prepares us for big things later. And finally, we see God's preparation always, everyone say always, always develops patience. See, you would think this would be David's big moment. Samuel comes, he's anointed king in front of all his brothers. You would think, this is it. This is my time. No more eating at the kitty table for me. No more seconds for me. No more tending the sheep for me. Now my older brothers are going to do that. Guys, you bow down to me. It is my time. I am headed to the palace. Anyone want to fit me for my crown, my royal robes? Who wants to be the first to kiss the ring? Anybody? Anybody? You know, this was going to be David's time. But what we don't know in the story and what we don't see at this exact moment is from the time David was anointed king to the time he would actually sit on the throne would be 15 years. 15 years passed from the time David is anointed king to the time that he actually takes the throne. And the question that I want to ask for you today is, are you willing to be patient for what God has in store for you? Are you willing to be patient? Because every story in the Bible, everyone who God has done great purpose through, there's been a time of great patience. From Joseph being in the prison to Moses wandering around in the wilderness to the story in David, even Jesus, 30 years before he births onto ministry, every story of significance, there is a time of great patience that is involved. And the truth is we've lost our ability today to be patient. You know, on my phone plan, I don't have unlimited data, and so if it goes over, my phone company throttles down my data speed, and I would say, I, am, I don't have the patience for that. I took that off, because the second I was trying to load something, and it was like there was a carrier pigeon that went from my phone to try to get the information. I'm like, I'm done. I don't have patience for this. We've lost our ability to be patient, but I want to tell you, patience is such an important part of the process of preparation. I know I've used this before, but I just wanted to bring this thought back as, as I'm back here at Core Church. See, I love cooking with the slow cooker. And, you know, we live in like the Arctic tundra now up in Ohio. And so, you know, there's nothing better on a cold day when you come back. You've put a roast in the slow cooker. You put that bad boy on low. And it's just filling the house with that aroma. You know, it's cold outside. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to get some nice warm pot roast. You know, you got the potatoes and all that stuff just going in there. And it's just tempting you all day because you got to let that thing go till dinner. You want to try to eat it at lunch, but it's not ready. You have to leave it alone. You can't even lift the lid to get a smell. You've got to just let that thing go and you've got to let that thing cook and you want to get to it early but you can't and here's the deal you could make the roast in the microwave and it could be done in a few minutes but it would not be as good and what if what God had for you court church what if what God had for you is so good that it can't be microwaved 
What if what God has for you, the purpose, the calling, the mission, the plan, the answer, the relationship, the job, what if what he has for you is so good that it cannot be microwaved, that it's going to take time, that it's going to take a process of preparation? Can you trust him enough? Can you believe in his goodness enough? Can you believe in his faithfulness enough to say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust in you, God. I'm not going to have a microwave mentality. God, I'm going to have a crock pot commitment. God, I know that it may seem like you're not doing much in my life now. God, that you're not working now. I don't see it. It feels mundane. It feels like Groundhog Day. It feels like I'm just going over and over again. But God, I'm not going to get resentful. God, I'm going to dig in to where I'm at. God, I'm going to see that you're using the small things. You're preparing my heart. You're getting me ready. And God, I'm going to commit to the process. God, I know in my heart I want to jump out early. I want to get ahead of you, but God, I'm going to let you continue to cook me. I'm going to let you continue to make me tender towards you. I'm going to let you continue to get me right before you, God, because what you're doing can't be rushed. What you're doing can't be microwaved, God. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to have a crockpot commitment, God, that you can do what you need to do in me, that you're going to develop that patience in me, God, because what you have for me is so good and is so amazing, it can't be microwaved. It can't be rushed. What if God was that good? What if we believed in his faithfulness and trusted him that much that we can trust, God, no matter what? I'm not going to jump out early. I'm going to stay in with you. And this is why. Don't mistake God's preparation for God's procrastination. When you feel like he's forgotten you, when you feel like you're left out, when you feel like everyone else is getting their answer, but you don't mistake his preparation for procrastination. He's not just saying, I'll get to you when I get to you. He's preparing you. He's preparing you for calling. He's preparing you for a mission right there where you're at, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. God's preparing you. He's doing something in you that's too good to be rushed. He's doing something in you that's going to bring glory and honor to his name. So, Father, I just pray right now for those watching. God, if they're they're uh, feeling forgotten if they're feeling left out. God, that you would help them to see right now that you have not forgotten them. You're not, you're not procrastinating with them, God. You're not saying, I'll get to you when I get to you, God, that you're preparing them for something amazing in their life. It can't be rushed. can't be forced. So, God, we say we commit right now to the process of preparation. Prepare our hearts. Get our hearts right, God. Allow us to see the little things that are going on in our life, God, as, as tools that we're, we're just gathering right now for the calling that you have. And then, God, we say we'll commit to be patient and to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.